What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today on the show, I'm super, super excited to talk to a personal finance expert and travel blogger, and her name is Nika. Welcome to the show, Nika. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janelli, for having me. I'm so excited to be um, here today, just being able to talk to your audience. So thank you so much once again for the opportunity. Of course. So actually, um, a couple of different interesting components that I think we have in common. Um, you know, we'll get into kind of a little bit of those details, which is why I think it's a great, you know, episode for us to just jump into like some of the things that we both have in common. And then also, of course, I want to highlight a bit more of your story. So uh, we'll get into that. But first, I always just really like to um, get started with two questions about money, jump right into money. And the first one is all about financial regrets. So We'll start with that one. And then after um, the too many questions, we'll come back and do our more formal intro. So okay. what hmm. is something either, again, this could be like something that you spent money on that you bought, like a thing or purchase. Um, it could be an experience, an experience, anything that you spent a lot of money on, like too much money. And you regret it to this very day. If you could go back in time and take it back and like redo life and not make this mistake, what would this, uh, what would that be for you? My... Biggest mistake financially was definitely more of like an experience that I didn't do correctly. Mm. I didn't, I wasn't as educated on like 401ks and like the power of it when I first had my first job out of college. So I started it just as a part of, you know, doing my benefits enrollment. And then after a while I was like, I don't want this to be taken out of my check anymore. I want the money like now. Oh no. So I literally like stopped my 401k contributions like with my first job, like out of college. And that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've made like financially. Now that I'm like looking back at it, I'm like, oh my God, like I probably would have had like so much more money, even though like I was doing like, you know, up to like the match, like that compound interest, I missed out on like all of that. That is (laughs) so so true. Yeah. So that's definitely like one of my biggest um, financial mistakes. And it's so funny because like, I actually just shared like um, probably like two weeks ago, like three financial mistakes, like on my page. And that was like the first one. (laughs) Oh man, that's so crazy. You know, I feel like a lot of people would think that like, you know, about just going back in time and being able to redo, I think with retirement investing is such a huge one, either that they didn't really take full advantage of it. In your case, like you started and then you took it back. Now I'm curious because when you, when you noticed, was it because, um, it, was it because you saw like your pay stops and you were like, hold up, I could like get a little bit more. Like what made you th- have that thought to like just yeah. stop those so you could get more money? Yeah, it was literally where it was like, I was looking at my pay stubs. So I saw, you know, what was being taken out. And I was like, well, okay, I know I got to take out like my health insurance and mm-hmm. you know, dental and vision. And I was like, right. why am I still putting into this 401k thing? I was like, I could get more money in my paycheck to take home so I can like do more stuff with it. So that was literally like my thought process. Then obviously I was not thinking like, okay, build now you, you know, 
reap the benefits later i was more being very like short-sighted like mm-hmm. uh, let me get some of this money right now so i can like you know probably like just do more things with it so right. yeah oh my goodness that's that's crazy because i noticed like well two things one is that you pay attention to your pay stub because most people do not like most i don't know if i ever really did when i remember when i was like a teenager I remember getting my very first pay stub and it's, it was like a paper check and the pay stub was like right next to it. Like you had to tear off the pay stub and then the rest of the paper was your paycheck. But a lot of um, people now with direct deposit, they don't even look at it because one, they don't have to, right? Because it's digital that the money just gets direct deposit into their account and they don't really, there's no process to accept the paste to look at it before you can get the money versus old times you had to look at it because it was all on the same paper so exactly. i think people just don't really look at him so I'm, I'm actually impressed that you even though you were making a mistake financially you know a lot of people would say but you were actually looking at your pay stub and paying attention to those numbers which yeah especially young people do not do that i think for me it was like okay like i knew that it was coming out but i had never yeah. really like calculated like okay how much of this is coming out so i was so mm-hmm. curious and that's when i kind of went to the pay stub and I was like, oh, like, okay, you know, yeah. like this money's coming out. But I was like, retirement? I was like, mm, I don't even want, want don't, I don't know what I want to do in like <laughs> five or 10 years. Why would I be like putting away like money like right now? And that was just like ignorance on my part. Like I just didn't really see the benefit to it. So it was like, nah, I'm okay with the money right now. Right. Right. I rather, I mean, anybody who's young and not really paying too much attention would rather have it. So that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was going to say actually was the fact that when you fill out, when you like sign up for your 401k, you mm-hmm. fill out the paper and you have to put like how much percentage. So it's interesting that later on you put like a dollar amount to it when you looked at your pay stub, because most people they don't do that. But they'll be like, oh, I'll put 3%, or oh, I'll put 4%, I'll put 7%. But they don't actually go into to calculating in the detail of like per paycheck, how many dollars is that every two weeks or every month? So exactly. it's funny that the money actually kind of shocked you or maybe like in your head, you maybe didn't think it was going to be that much. Yeah, I feel like it was an okay dollar amount because it was like to get the match and it wasn't really much. But I was right. just so like, oh, well, you know, even if it was like, let's say like 200, like, for the month or every paycheck, I was still like, oh, I could do a lot with that, you know, like Mm -hmm. right now. So that was kind of my thought process with that. And it's crazy just thinking back on it now. I'm just like, what a crazy thing I did. (laughs) Right. And and there's so many things like that, you know, it's like, I always ask this question because I feel like when you start creating content or talking about money or do anything like that, people just assume oh, you must be perfect with money. You just knew how to do it. And it's like, no, we all, all of us make financial mistakes. And most of us, actually, that's how we learned because we learned through financial mistakes. And unless you're studying to be a financial planner or an accountant or something like that, most people don't even get classes about money in in college, in high school or anywhere. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like for you, the, those mistakes, you you won't forget because like that was part of the learning. At least I, you know, I see it that way. It's like, that's yeah. how we, we taught ourselves through mistakes, which Absolutely. is sad. I definitely think like that's true. And like, it's crazy because it's like, I do have like an accounting background and I still yeah. need those mistakes. So that's why like, I tell people all the time. And I also like, you know, just talk with like my clients 
about this too, where it's like, trust me guys, like I've still make, I still make mistakes or, or I have made mistakes even like to this day with budgeting, sometimes I have to still make adjustments, you know? So it's just like, we are all human. So it's just, you know, you just kind of learn from it and you just move on. That's it. That's all you can do. That's right. I love that. That's all you can do. Learn from it. Move on. Don't, don't pay attention too much. I saw a post actually was like, um, if I'm talking to somebody, Mm -hmm. I only want to hear about their problem once because then Mm -hmm. after they tell me about the problem, the next thing we should be talking about is a solution. Because what's the point of staying focused, keep on talking about the problem over and over? It's like, okay, we get it. There's a problem. But festering on that, you're not ever really going to see past it. So exactly. you make your money mistake, boom, it's done, move on. That's it. Like my biggest thing is like, before you kind of come into my space, like, like as a client, for example, I'm always like, just forgive yourself for any money mistake that like you yes. ever made. Like, it's okay. Like, I promise you, it's okay. Like, it doesn't make sense to dwell on that. Just use that as like a learning lesson to propel you on this financial journey. And I say like, if you're already like reaching out to other like personal finance experts and reading up on it and just learning more about finances, you're already ahead of what you did before. So it's just like, please do not, you know, beat up yourself about things yep. that you've kind of done in the past because right. even the greatest or the gurus you know have mm-hmm. made mistakes even if exactly. people don't want to say it because I know a lot of times social media can be like a highlight reel where it's like all the great stuff but it's like yeah and that's why I did share some of those mistakes that I've made you know as financial mistakes because I'm like I have made those mistakes even with an accounting background so mm-hmm it's okay guys. (laughs) I absolutely love that. Um, that's awesome. So let's go ahead and talk about the opposite side of that. And then we'll jump into more about what you have already a little mentioned a little bit, like accounting background and where, uh, what you offer and what you do on social media. So we'll get to that in a second, but if you could share a time where you have the opposite experience. So instead of spending a bunch of money and like regretting it completely, Mm -hmm. you actually spend a lot of money and maybe somebody else will look at your budget and be like, Nika is, is bugging out. She's that's too much money to spend on that. I would never do that. But for you, Nika, you're like, no, I, I would do it again because yeah. it was worth it for me with my budget, my finished situation or my values made that worth it. Mm-hmm. This one is probably like a travel one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was both where I spent maybe a lot, but I also like finessed, like travel hacked. Yeah. So it was like where I use like my travel hacking skills to have a four country trip in Europe back in 2019 so I travel hacked my way there but then like obviously like to go throughout the different countries and have a good experience I spent like you know like a good chunk of money but everyone knows travel is life for me so it may be like whoa that was a lot of money or like the time but it for me it's like no that was worth every single penny that I spent that was probably one of the best trips that I've taken like to date. So I that's was, amazing. that's one of mine. That's amazing. So did you go completely by yourself? No, I was actually with my significant other um, back in 2019 for yeah October, 2019, we went there. 
Nice. Oh, you got so lucky you did that right before COVID. Exactly. Like <laughs> it was literally like the perfect thing. And I think we ended up spending like, it was like almost two weeks, like wow. between like the four countries. Mm-hmm. It was like an amazing time. Like it was like That's perfect. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, I'm similar to you. I feel like travel is a big deal for me. I know plenty of people that go like, I, you know, what's the big deal about travel? I don't need to yeah. go anywhere. I just want to be in my home, my home body. And, and I get it. You know, I, every time we have conversations about money, it comes back to that point that money is very personal. Personal finance is very personal. But for me, I absolutely agree with you. Pr- traveling, creating experiences. I would never forget those trips that I've taken. Never forget the experiences that I've had. And um, yeah, Europe is definitely one of the cooler like you know trips to do like euro trips because you can go to so many countries in such a short uh, period of time you know exactly and that's kind of what my thing was I did want to do like a really big international trip and I was like if I'm going all the way over here I need to hit up a couple countries um so yeah just being able to navigate like that travel space Yep. Kind of like on a budget in a way, but I did splurge a little bit because it was like a really big trip. So yeah, mm. I don't regret that at all. It was like the best money spent ever. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, now we, we already, we, we know we have that in common traveling because I do love traveling. Um, all right. So for everybody listening, if this is the first time that you're hearing from Nika or of Nika, Nika is the creator of Financially Winning on Instagram. And she's also uh, a working professional that has a career in accounting as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, Nika, I think for anybody who's kind of less familiar with financially winning and also you and your work, tell them a little bit like of an introduction. Um, What can they expect, you know, when kind of learning about you, your brand and the work that you're doing in as a personal finance expert and in the personal finance space? Absolutely. So um, as Yaneli mentioned, I am an accounting professional by day. um, And then I also run Financially Winning, which is basically an online platform, um, a personal finance platform. And I provide a variety of resources and tips to help individuals with their finances. Um, part of my services, I do offer like one-on-one coaching. That's more for like individual help, personalized help, because sometimes people do need like that one-on-one time. Like I can post all the content that I want, but sometimes people need like that one-on-one attention. So I do offer that service. Um, basically my goal is to help each of my clients to create a financial plan, like an action plan to improve their finances and eventually like build wealth. Um, I focus on the fundamentals of finance because I think sometimes people forget that you need to crawl before you walk. Oh, yes. Yes. So I focus on that. And then I also have um, an Etsy shop that's attached to financially winning because Mm -hmm. I'm a very like visual person. So I created digital products that you can um, use to track like your debt payoff, savings and different things like that. So that's kind of what financially winning is about. And then I am also a travel blogger um, and that platform is traveling with Nika. And, you know, I've traveled to about 20 countries and about 24 states um, in the U.S. So, yeah, I feel like I wear a lot of hats. Um, (laughs) I wear a lot of hats and yeah, so accountant, you know, entrepreneur, um, YouTuber and travel blogger, because I like sharing my travel blogs on YouTube. 
but yeah, I wear a lot of hats. Cool. So I w- I just would love to learn a little bit more about your upbringing because I feel like a lot of times when we get to a certain point, you know, we 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 kind of like act like oh we are where we are as if it's separate from where you grew up and your family life and early memories about you know money or money conversations. And I me I tend to think there's more connection than disconnection. There's they're more similar and related and directly connected to yeah. you know how it is it that you ended up doing what you do now right why your passion comes from the things that you're passionate about um so I'm curious about that tell us about your upbringing I would say I felt like I was probably always good with money and you guys who are on video will see me doing like the quotation <laughs> um, because I did have like that math you know, accounting type background. Um, I did start my accounting. My love for accounting began in high school because that was offered um, in the curriculum in the Virgin Islands. So I kind of always had that like, yeah, I was good with like all the theory and the math and everything like that. But there was a lot to learn when I moved to the United States. Mm. Um, so as a, like a dual citizen, I ended up moving from the Virgin Islands after I completed my associate's degree. I moved to Florida at age 18, all on my own. So I'll get wow. into that. But my parents, I grew up with my parents being like the complete opposite. Like my dad was more of the spender and my mom was more of the saver. So I saw both sides um, growing up in our household. I could definitely like go to my dad to get like money just for getting money sake. But then my mom was always like, well, what, what do you need this for? <laughs> like, it was always- Do you like, need it? Yeah, do you like, need it? Right. It was always like a question, but then if I wanted just like money to spend, I would be yeah. like, hi, daddy. <laughs> like, can I have like, you know, 20 bucks? He won't yeah. really be like, oh, why do you want that? But my mom was always like, okay, what's the reason? So I saw both sides of it. And I think I probably joined the two. Like, um. I'm a spender in a way where I like to spend, you know, on value things. Right. However, I'm very, na- I was very natural at the saving aspect of it. So right. I got that from like my both parents. But then as, as, it, as it relates to more like money in the Virgin Islands, we definitely know about generational wealth because it's more where your parents are passing down like physical assets to you like they have land or they have like a home that they are passing on to you so they may not have had like investments like in the U.S. but there were things that you kind of like built and passed down through your family like you know those physical assets yeah that that makes a lot of sense it's so interesting that you think of generational wealth in America consistently always thinking about a trust fund or thinking about, you know, investments they pass down, but there's, it takes so many forms, generational wealth. And, um, and to think, yeah, like that makes so much sense in the Caribbean that you would expect to pass the land right. down to the next you know generation so that they have a foundation, a place to either build a, a new home reconstruction, just land, you know, farmland. There's so many 
benefits to that. So it, it makes a lot of sense that you would say that and that awareness of generational wealth coming specifically from being a person with Caribbean ancestry. It's like, uh, or not even in your case, it's not even Caribbean ancestry. Like you're from, you were born and raised there. So you saw it every day, people referencing, you know, land and the house and things like that. It was actually a lot, probably more normal, I think, than, than a lot of people might assume. Yeah, it was definitely like normalized. And especially also um, being like a business owner, like, you know, I grew up where um, my mom, like she, you know, had, even though she worked, there was like business, but I also saw my parents really hustle. So don't mm-hmm. like, you know, they were, you know, hustlers, like my mom yep. would work, you know, part-time jobs. Sometimes my dad would always work extra. So I also saw them work very hard to get those assets and to, you know, build a comfortable lifestyle for myself and my siblings. Mm-hmm. And um, I think definitely like my work ethic comes from my both parents. Yeah. But when it came to actually like utilizing the money, my dad was more of like, well, he's kind of like, I worked hard, we can spend this money my mom was more like, let's preserve this. So it was, it was like crazy just seeing like the both sides. (laughs) But that's kind of nice because when you think about it, it means that you got to see a little bit of both as opposed Mm -hmm. to a lot of people, they just see one and then they choose to either repeat and be the same, or they choose to be the total opposite because they, maybe they disagree with their parent. But in your case, you really got to see both sides and see like which one maybe would serve me best or would fit more with how I want to be and um you know and then kind of make your own choice so as opposed to just like oh I never knew I only had parents that were very you know uh, conservative and frugal and saving all the time I never really got that other experience if that were the case who knows how you might end up maybe you might feel like spiteful and then you might be like a spender all the time because your parents never really showed you spending so it's nice actually to think that you had one of each of like mm-hmm. examples of each one in your own household. Yeah, I totally. And I think that it's good to have the mix, as you said, because I didn't only see like one side of money where right. I knew that it's like money is like a tool. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really see it as, well, I was lacking or I had too much. It was like a good mix where I was, you know, my parents were comfortable spending, but then also it was where I also saw where we have this thing and, you know, we say like, you have to save for a rainy day, but that's the extent of kind of like the money conversations per se. It was more like save, 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 because in the Caribbean, well, the Virgin Islands, I can say specifically, we don't have like that access to like, oh, saving um, from an investment perspective so that was a completely new world for me when I moved to Florida literally like on my own without my family to go to school so then I had to learn about the U.S. side of things like okay oh that's what this 401k thing is about you know a couple years back that's when I kind of learned more about like IRAs and you know 529 plans and I was like oh okay in the Virgin Islands, people would save for their kids' college, but they would just save. It would be where it's just the money, like the dollar is going in the bank account. It wasn't where the dollar was going in, but then in 18 years, it would be, you know, 20, you know? So I knew about that saving aspect, but in terms of like that investing and all of those accounts, 
I knew nothing about that. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is actually probably a good way to segue to, or to uh, transition to that, that point of like, what was that like? You just left the Virgin Islands. You're 18 years old and you, and you get to Florida and you're by yourself. Like that is insane. Like my parents and my parents immigrated to the U S but they were a little older. You know, my dad was like in his late Mm twenties, early thirties. And my mom came a few years after that. So they're like a little bit more of a fully formed adult at that point to figure (laughs) out, you know, work as an adult and like, you know, figuring that out, those things out. But at 18, I can't imagine like, what was that like? It's crazy because like, that's actually like a norm for us, like in the Virgin Islands, Um, community college was free. So it was kind of like a natural progression where after you finish high school at around like 16, you would go to community college because it was free for Virgin Islanders. Um, you do their two years, you get your associates. And by then your parents are definitely like pushing you for like more higher education. It was literally like the thing. Um, and I always talk about where I kind of felt like I knew about like that American dream because like I was a dual citizen. So I was born in the U.S., And then, but I grew up in the Virgin Islands. So it was like, okay, I knew I could, you know, go to the U.S. at any point, but it was where it was like, I was going to get everything that I could from the Virgin Islands, like in terms of education. And then once like my parents were like, okay, great. You satisfied that it's time for you to go, you like to get your bachelor's degree. So that's kind of how that happened. Um, And honestly, it's kind of wild thinking back, like, yeah, I was 18 years old. (laughs) It's like, I literally went to like Florida. I didn't have um, like immediate family there. Mm -hmm. And I literally just went to school. Like I applied for like two schools in the US and I got into both. And then I picked Florida because I was like, well, Florida is close to the Virgin Islands. I can go home faster. (laughs) And it was cheaper. So that's kind of how I ended up, you know, kind of, I guess, picking my school and then going to, you know, school to pursue my bachelor's in accounting. Mm. Got it. So then you kind of took that from high school because you said in high school, you had some classes in accounting and you, you kind of figured like, I want to focus on that. Um, Was that like, you knew you wanted to do that or did it just make sense to continue since you were good at it in high school? Yeah, it was more where it's like, it was continuing to do that. I also wanted to be a lawyer, um, but then I didn't like the reading aspect of it. I was more of the hands-on math type person. So I was like both, even though I did well with like literature and like English, I still really excelled and I enjoyed the accounting. So that was like a natural like thing for me to study while I was in college um, and yeah, so I ended up was like, okay, let me do accounting. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up picking my major to, you know, get my bachelor's in accounting because my associates was in business. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So when you came, did you kind of know you wanted to stay and live in the U S or were you like, maybe I'll just go get my bachelor's and then go back home to the Virgin Islands and you know, work in accounting or business? Or did you have a plan to like really stay and build your life here in the U.S. from then on? 
I think I didn't really have a plan at first. Honestly, it was like, let me get this degree before my parents, like, you know, <laughs> yep. like make sure they're happy, like get this education. And then it was like, let me see what opportunities come up for me, you know, because the good thing is, is that being a dual citizen, I definitely acknowledge that privilege um, because I could just navigate between the two places, like however I wanted to. I could just pick up and go back to the Virgin Islands and not worry about, you know, not being a citizen or not being like a resident there. Or I could have just like be like, okay, I just want to stay here. I'm a U.S. citizen. You know what I mean? So I think for me, I knew that I did have that privilege and I acknowledged that. So it was more where thankfully I didn't have to really worry about, oh, what am like, what am I going to do after this? It was more like, if an opportunity comes up, probably in either place, I'll go, you know, where, where that fits. Right. Right. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I mean, I, maybe I'm just, I don't know. I have, I have this impression that in the Virgin islands, because mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of Americans think of it as like, Oh, if you wanted to move to the Virgin islands, you can, you can move there because it's us territory and it should be, it's just like going to another state kind of thing. And a lot of people think yeah. of it that way. Um, yeah. is that like common over I'm, this is so random, but I'm just so curious, like li- life growing up there, is that a common thing where you see com- people coming and going us there and from there to the U S and that's like totally normal or, and because I also, I think the Caribbean is so big on tourism where people travel, but then they leave. So I'm curious if it's more like expats with some form of like permanency there or permanent presence there, or if it's more like some of the other Caribbean islands where tourism is just a big thing, but people don't really stay longer when they vacation, they would just go back. Yeah, makes sense. Great question. So the Virgin Islands is made up of the British side and then also the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I actually grew up on the British side of the Virgin Islands. So for that, you would be considered an expat if you were a U.S. citizen that came in. Um, So, for example, my dad is from the British Virgin Islands. That's where he was born and he grew up there. So I um, naturally got his citizenship and that's where I grew up. So if you're going to like the U.S. Virgin Islands, yeah, it's basically like you're going to another state. Yeah. But if you're more going to the British Virgin Islands, then no, you would need to have like, you know, get like, you know, um, your visa and um, different things to be able to live and work there, of course, and um, things like that. So it's a different, it's like two different worlds on the U.S. and British side. So it's oh. like, yeah, the U.S. is fine. It's easy. You know, if you're trying to, when I say easy, I mean like, it's like, yeah, it's another state because it's a U.S. territory. Right. It would be like if someone wants to maybe go to Puerto Rico, it will be the same type of thing because um, Puerto Rico is a, a, another U.S. territory. But right. then if they want to go to the British Virgin Islands, like where I grew up, it would be like, okay, you got to do some, you know, paperwork, migration and all of that. So, yeah. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. We have a big expat, you know, population in the British Virgin Islands, um, actually more from like other Caribbean islands um, mm. and then also UK um, citizens because we are British. So UK um, citizens sometimes um, would would reside there. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of Bermuda. They're very similar where they have a lot of British people going to live there. It's like, oh, well, they just, you know, they have dual, they share citizenship so they could just come and go. Yeah. Exactly. 
and that's one of the benefits of being, you know, um, of Virgin Islander the, on the British side, because yeah, you can get access to um, UK citizenship um, because we're a British territory. That's awesome. So, and then your case, you also had US uh, citizenship. So you pretty much have yes. a lot more choices. That's yes. nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Lucky, lucky. Um, all right, cool. So let's, let's transition to like what your life is like today. I mean, I know that you work full-time in accounting by yeah. day, but you know, I think a lot of times people just like to keep their life super private, especially when it comes to money. And mm -hmm. so it's interesting that with you, you actually decided to share both with travel blogging and with your um, more financial content on financially right. winning about like your decisions around money. Um, you know, creating a brand and being a visible face at, with, you know, resources and information um, right. and things that you sell to help other, you know, to help your clients and other people to like get better with their finances. But I think a lot of people, they would rather not because they feel like going public is, it's like a little, you know, kind of like opening up the closed doors and telling everybody what you, what the skeletons you have in your closet. And, and it's still a lot, very like of an, a taboo topic. So mm -hmm. what was it that made you decide like, okay, you know, from my life now, it, it makes sense. And I want to actually talk to people about my, the way money, my money choices are being made in the way that I would recommend doing things. Yeah. I think it came like naturally for me in a way. And then I also thought that I was kind of filling a gap, especially more for my Caribbean um, followers, especially Virgin Islanders. So I have never really seen anyone, you know, from my communities kind of doing something like this. And I was like, well, I have the education background. I have the knowledge over the years of, you know, just working in accounting and just learning from some of those mistakes or just financial things that I've read about and learned about and taught myself. Yeah. And I was like, why not? You know, I was like, why not? Why not share um, and then, of course, you know, there are some things that you you would still kind of maybe keep private just for privacy purposes. You know, the right. world is kind of crazy out there sometimes. Um, yeah. But I think just the general idea of money, I wanted people to know that you can get right with your finances. And that's why I've been pushing financially winning so much, especially to people in my own communities, because yeah, you can probably Google like, okay, what's a budget, but then you're going to get lost in a bunch of articles, right? And then that may not be the correct medium for you. So right. from me, you know, on an IGTV live or a Facebook live or seeing me do, you know, a 30 second reel about a money topic or seeing me post like budgeting tips, that would more relate to yep. you know people that know me and people who don't even know me just seeing yep. you know another um young black woman doing it and knowing that wow like you know if nika is doing this like i can definitely you know give this a shot you know what i mean yep. so that was kind of like my big um idea with financially winning it was always something where i guess i kind of did on the side, like I always talk to people about money. I always encourage my family and my friends and just people around me to like, you know, make sure you guys are saving, make sure you guys are, you know, learning more about investing and things like that. So it was kind of like natural for me to kind of have this platform yeah. called Financially Winning. And that's kind of how I came up with the name because I was like, 
well, I want people to win financially. And I was like, hmm, like at first I was just going to name it like just like Miss Nika debt free. And I did have that for a while. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, no, that does not. I was like, that doesn't like, you know, like exhume like what I want to like, right. You know, show people. people. And I was like, financially winning. I was like, that's the name. And that's kind of how like financially winning was officially, you know, birthed. Um, And it was also after I had already paid off two of my um, student loans. So I also share, you know, my own personal like debt free story on my platform as well. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about that too, because um, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I did like a quick poll on my Instagram because I was like trying to find people that are both considered a millennial Mm -hmm. and also doing both paying off debt and investing at the same time. Because there's always conversation about people having to pick like, are you going to invest or should you pay off debt? But now more and more millennials are starting to say, why do we have to pick between one or the other? We could do both. Like you can invest and pay pay off that and you put that you are millennial and that you are investing and paying off that at the same time and I remember being like I gotta reach out to her and because that's something that I think more people need to talk about so tell us a little bit about that like the debt journey that you have where you're at now versus where you were and what your you know big goals are big goals around debt freedom are Absolutely. So I am happy to report um, today at the recording like of this podcast episode, I am only $2,000 and $2,090 away from saving my last dollar that I will ever be putting towards student loans. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) So um, basically I started this journey officially last year in 2020. Um, and it was like, I knew I wanted to like get rid of the student loans. That was always like the idea. So when I graduated from my MBA program at the end of 2018, you know, they give you the six months, you know, the grace period that I did not even bother looking at. Um, (laughs) (laughs) most people don't. Yeah, I was like, okay, y'all gave me six months. Like, I'm not even looking at this. So then, you know, June, July came around, you know, I got my first like payment due. I was like, oh, okay. I went on like, you know, the income repayment plan. I was like, I know I want to work on this, but not for 2019. Let me just kind of finish out a couple other like financial goals that I had and that I was working on. And then I was like, okay, 2020, that'll be when I start like tackling the debt. So... 2020 came around and I remember I was like, oh, you know, when I get my tax refund, I'll put like, you know, a couple hundred like towards like my principal, like that's maybe when I'll kind of start. So then of course, pandemic is happening, starting to hit us like February, you know, then March, it really hit us. So then I was like, okay, never mind on that. Like, I think I made like a $400 like principal payment in February, Mm -hmm. but that was it. I was like, I am not going to be like putting down like all this money again. I said, never mind. I'm going to just kind of like keep this money and like, you know, kind of save up in a way. Right. To kind of put towards like maybe like a emergency, emergency fund. Right. Um, and then I was like, okay, I kind of wasn't like fearful anymore, anymore around like June, 2020. Um, so then at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to pay off two of these student loans. So that's kind of when I really, really like officially like started like the journey. 
Mm -hmm. I'm paying down my $21,854 of student loan debt. Wow. So, yes, that's when that started. That is amazing. So you had multiple different loans, the, yes. but the total amount was over 21000 And yep. you said, I'm just going to go ham. Like, I'm going to aggressively throw every extra dollar at these so I could be done. Yes, I was very dedicated to the cause. I was like, especially because we were in the middle of a pandemic, I was like, I do not want this debt anymore. And then yeah. when we did the forbearance, I was like, this is God just telling me after I like after the couple of months and I was comfortable with where I was at with the emergency fund and stuff. I was yeah. like, oh, girl, nah, you could you could start paying off these, you know, student loans. Like, you know, you're not don't be too fearful. I mean, I had a stable income. Um, didn't really have any, um, you know, change in my circumstances. Thankfully, I'm, you know, very yeah. thankful for that. Cause of course a lot of people lost their jobs and, you know, yep. got was cut. And I, I was grateful that I did not experience that. So when I kind of got out of my own head is when I was like, all right, it's time to go. Um, so I paid off those first two. The third one was paid off in October, 2020. The fourth one was paid off in January, 2021. And then now I'm down to the last two. So because of the possible talks of maybe student loan forgiveness, mm -hmm. um, what I did was I got the balance in February. I think I got it down to under the 10,000. Yep. So then, and then to gain like some, um, you know, interest on that compounded interest on the savings, what I did was I opened a separate high yield savings account for my student loan payoff. So since uh, February, I've been putting into that account because I do have federal loans. So they're not due um, until September right. under the current, um, you know, forbearance laws. Right. Right. So that's smart because now everything's paused. It's not yep. growing. You got it under right under 10,000. And then you're just like, you know what? I'll wait because waiting is not hurting me right now with interest. And if the law, if new laws do come from this administration where it's going to be $10,000 forgiveness per person, then you're covered. So it's like you, you kind of thought strategically, let me get to a point where either way I can just wait and see what's going to happen and nothing bad is going to happen while I wait. Exactly. That's and nice. Calculation, it's going to be net zero anyways, because even though my balance would still be on Navient, the money is in a, an account. So I was like, yeah, I'll be like debt free when I'm done with this student loans, because that was, you know, the, the only like debt that I had um, that I was, you know, paying down. Uh, thankfully, I do not have a car loan um, anymore. I had a small one, but that was paid off, you know, previously. Um, I did not have any credit card debt, thankfully, um, you know, so I was like, okay, all I have is these student loans. That's like, you know, what we consider like non, what they say, non-mortgage type of debt, you know, whatever. Right. So um, basically just making sure that I was done with anything that would be consumer or whatever they classify student loans as. I was like, I'm going to have this money set aside. And once I'm done, I won't have to put another cent towards my student loans, whether I click the button and click submit and wipe it out because I have the money. So that's the thing. I'm not waiting on the government because I'm like, I'm not relying on them to do anything. However, I will 
give myself that benefit of gaining that compound interest with the money that I'm saving, because that's like $10,000. Yeah, it's going to grow. Exactly. And it's going to grow. And then, and then if they announce that there is not going to be any loan forgiveness, then you just pay it off in one shot and you're done and it's zero. And like you already prepared to do that, but it would be nice if you didn't have to do that. If there was 10,000 of forgiveness and now you can just keep that money saved plus the interest that it accrued. So obviously that's the ideal, but you're preparing either way, which I think is super, super smart. I just have loved learning about your story, Nika, like meeting you, getting to know you better um, from, you know, just being on Instagram. Obviously, I've we've kind of like linked, but this was such a great way to do a deeper dive to know your story and your passion for the work that you do. Um, the last thing I always like to end with before I ask you the final, final question is just sharing, you know, where people can find you, how they can reach out to you, if they like what you're doing, connecting with you. And we've already mentioned your Instagram at financially winning anything else that you would say, say to people who might have heard your story and be like, Oh my gosh, I love the way Nika shared her story. I want to reach out to her. Facebook is a big platform for my um, Caribbean peeps. So I also make sure I'm always accessible on Facebook as well. So financially winning on Facebook, my Etsy shop is financiallywinning.etsy.com. That's where you can purchase any instant download um, printables that you may, may like or you know want to check out. That's my website. And then traveling with Nika, you can find me on YouTube. I am a travel blogger. So you can, you know, watch my vlogs and all my travel tips on YouTube as well. And then same um, Facebook and also Instagram for traveling with Nika. So yeah, that's where you can basically find me. When you're making transactions with money, what would that physical dollar bill say to remind people that personal model about money whether it's encouragement or just a money model money mantra money slogan that they can just keep with them and remember that that's so important about money when they're going to use money the first one is the wealth i desire i will achieve so that's my first one um, because i definitely think that everyone is capable of building wealth Um, don't worry if your path does not look like someone else's but you are definitely capable Um, And then my other one would be wealth and abundance flows through me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always, you know, just positively speaking, you know, to myself and knowing that I am putting in the work to build wealth um, and that everything would, you know, kind of like just come to me because I am, you know, that magnet. Yeah. I love that they're both phrased like affirmations, you know, more than anything, because that's really what a mantra is. It's really affirming either a belief or a guiding principle over and over again so that you remind yourself of it. You don't forget it and you keep it, you know, top of mind, especially when it comes to money. We tend to get very emotional with money. And if you can just channel back a little bit more the your reason and logic and your planning and that mantra can help you to remember that. Um, with these, I, I love they're more affirmations. So really telling yourself, if I do this, this will come to me. If I stay this way positive, if I think this way, this is what will happen as a result. So I love that. I will definitely share your dollar. I'm going to put your do- your face on the dollar bill and put that mantra over okay. it. So nice. you can share it around and let everybody know. <laughs> it's super cute. I always tell people like, if you have never seen yourself on a dollar bill, get ready because it's definitely, definitely fun to see, you know, you on the dollar. So I'll That's share so it dope. once I have it. That's so dope. I love it. 
Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nika. I loved learning your story. I will absolutely let you know once this episode is live and ready to go. And um, yeah, thank you for just you know telling us your story, your journey, and sharing um with everybody listening and watching on YouTube as well, where they can connect with you. Um, keep doing the awesome work that you're doing. I cannot wait to see you post about making that last payment and being 100% that free girl. You deserve it after the past 11 months that you've been through. Yes, I cannot wait. And once again, Yanelli, you know, thank you so much for, you know, affording me this opportunity to come on your platform. Um, I just love sharing with other people and I look forward to connecting with you know, some of you guys that would, um, you know, follow me after hearing this podcast or viewing this YouTube um, video. So definitely thankful to you, Nelly. And thanks again. Thank you. Of course. Absolutely. My pleasure. And if you do follow um, and join Nika's community, reach out to her and let her know, hey, I heard you on Miss Be Helpful's podcast or hey, I saw you on Miss Be Helpful's YouTube channel because it's always nice to know when you do get followers and supporters like where they heard your story and where they learned about you. So if you're listening and watching. Don't be shy. Reach out and let Nika know that you heard her story here and that you were inspired by it. Absolutely. Thanks, Nika. Thank you.